0: hey thank you for tuning in welcome to season one of the prayer house podcast our mission and vision is simple it is to spread the gospel and good news to the ends of the world and to do it by building a community whose foundation is jesus christ so welcome to the family we hope you enjoy this message and it is a blessing to you thank you uh prayer house uh, for this great time that you guys have given me to speak um welcome everyone Thanks for tuning in uh, from different parts of the world, actually. Uh, God bless you for spending some time together uh, in God's presence. So let me dive right in uh, to the Word of God. My name is Joel. I'm from Philly. Um, And uh, let's go right into the Word. So for today's uh, topic of discussion, uh, we're going to go into Genesis 32, verses 22 to 31. I'm going to be reading <coughs> from my IV. That night Jacob got up and took his two wives two his female servants and his 11 sons and crossed the ford of Jabbok. After he had sent them across a the stream, he went over all his possessions. Um, so Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hips so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, Let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked, What is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, Please tell me your name. But he replied, Why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, It is because I saw God face to face, and yet My life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed pineal, and he was limping because of his hip. There's a very uh, familiar passage. I'm pretty sure most of us have read it, but maybe uh, what we have not noticed is something what the Spirit wants to remind us this morning. As I was preparing the message for this week, uh, my confirmation came from last week in a couple of sermons when I heard about being different, spending time with God, using this time for quarant- the quarantine time that we all have currently, to be utilizing that for something special. So then I read this peculiar passage in, in, this, in the Bible, in the Old Testament, about a man named Jacob. Jacob was a deceiver right he stole his birthright but in a way in the right kind of a way because Esau kind of gave that up so it's not technically Jacob's fault in all but but still he, he cheated right he got his birthright by cheating so he's a man of deceit uh, and he already has a bad remark with his family ran away went to Laban's house got married to two of the daughters paid the price for cheating his own dad Uh, By living his life and struggling and toiling and now he is en route Back to another place. Why because he heard Esau was coming was coming after him to kill him But in reality, Esau was not but that's his fear. He was afraid. Why because he was afraid of because of his past mistakes He had a self-consciousness of thinking. Oh, he's definitely coming to kill me. So what did Jacob do? There's one peculiar um um, um especially about Jacob. In every aspect of Genesis, when you read about Jacob's story, he wept and he cried. That's one of the key important things that he always did. He's a messed-up man. He, but he he had this one cool, like awesome attribute that he always cried and he always exalted in the name of the Lord, and wherever he went, he built an altar and just prayed and sacrificed to God. Similarly, This is an instance where in his life, he knows he's about to be killed. He's about, he's about to face the worst moment of his life. So to spare his family from being troubled and killed and his possessions being ripped off from him, he decided to spend an alone time with himself and God. Most of us are like Jacob really treacherous people. We're not self-righteous people. We messed up. We made a lot of mistakes. We have hatred from our parents, our community, our siblings, our school, uh, from our pastors, from the leaders that looked up to us. We are like Jacob. We deceived. We ran away. Now what Jacob did is his lone time with God. Two, four things that he did. He sent his family away. He sent all his possessions away, and he spent an alone time with God. And he wrestled until he got physically changed. Uh, Like when we see uh, Jacob was left alone and a man and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. Most of us need to get into this habit of being alone with God, not with others. This is great. Don't get me wrong. Having a community, a communal service, a social Christian gathering is amazing. But having a one on one time personally with God. Very important. I I keep understanding that almost every preacher nowadays, when you hear through this message, they're talking about this one-on-one time with God. And now you might ask me, I've been hearing this over and over again, what is this one-on-one time that you want me to with God? The answer to that is, you do it until you get physically touched by God to a point where you limp. For Jacob, it was limping. For you, it is the gift of the Holy Spirit or the fruit of the Holy Spirit that you will receive. You need to be evidently physically changed until then, my friend, I suggest you be on one-on-one time with God until then you have not completed your mission of sanctifying, asking God for forgiveness and, and asking for a complete touch and radicalization of your life. And when that happened to him, guess what? God, the angel of God did, your name will no longer be Israel. I mean, Jacob, but Israel, because you've struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. You and I, the list, you as a listener, you have struggled with God in so many ways of your life. You know what they are. You know the amount of promises that you made to other people and God, but yet you struggle to keep up with them. You know the amount of promises that you made to your friends, your families, the 2020 resolutions, and you failed, you struggled with both man and God. And now God is giving you this opportunity, this beautiful moment, this so-called quarantine season where everything is slowed down a little bit so that you and God can have a one-on-one time with him. Send your family away, send your relationships away, send your job away because there are opportunities for most of you to work from home and there's a small portion of time that you can do that. So he sent, he sent his possessions away. Send your possessions away, send your, put your career aside for a moment and have an alone time with God and wrestle with God until you get physically changed. I've been studying about this whole topic of the Holy Spirit uh, because it is so intriguing, yet so fewly spoken about. Most of our churches, me being a Malayali Pentecostal person, uh, growing up in one of those uh, very traditional church, I was always under the impression of who the Holy Spirit was. And for me, or for most of us, it is the speaking of tongues. How do you identify if somebody has Holy Spirit? They gotta speak in tongues, right? Like you would hear people say, uh, 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 by the way, my Malayalam words might slip out. That's mostly for the audience that know about our Malayalam churches. They might say, he has the Holy Spirit. He has the Holy Spirit. So then I got questioned. I questioned myself. See, I pray in tongues. I believe in tongues. I believe in every gift, every spirit, and the fruit that the Spirit has to offer. I am, um, I am a firm believer of it. I'm a firm believer that we all should pray for it. But I never understood this concept. So you're telling me uh, that there is that one golden mark that I have to hit. That is what? To speak in tongues t- to be evident that I have a, fruit, uh, a gift of the Spirit. Then I learned, then I learned, um, there was actually two aspects of the Spirit. Nobody talks much about the Spirit. I don't know why, but Spirit, the Holy Spirit is God. I, I don't realize, I don't think a lot of us realize this. Holy Spirit is God. Trinity, it's part of the Trinity. If, if you believe that Jesus is God, then the Holy Spirit is also God. It's as equivalent of a power, which is why when Jesus said, when I leave, you will receive the Holy Spirit. So it's like a uh, transition moment. It's, it's, not, it's, it's not somebody that we should not be talking about. So, when you and I spend time in God, or when you and I come to Jesus Christ, there has to be a physical evidence like Jacob had, like a limp. What you might ask, you can go back to Acts two. This is where we first see about the the baptism of the Holy Spirit, right? This is where everybody pulls the verse and says, "Oh, this is the place where we see that we all speak in tongues." So let's 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 talk a little bit about there. So. Um the gifts of the Holy Spirit, right, they are given at that moment as an operational gift. It was operational at that moment so that Jesus, the work of God, was edified through them. So, if we go through the ways of how it was, they um, they saw, heard, and they spoke. What am I talking about? Verse 2, verses 2, Acts 2, 2. Suddenly... Um, a sound, sound like blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to the rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So when the baptism of the Holy Spirit first came in, there, it was evidential, right? You, could, you saw it, you heard it like a wind, you felt it, and you spoke it. So uh, then you might ask me the question, is the baptism of the Holy Spirit always in a manner of speaking in tongues? In order for you to understand that, you have to understand what the gifts are. What, what do you mean by the, Holy, the gift of the Holy Spirit? Uh, scholars, theologians, uh, when we study about the gift of the Holy Spirit, it's divided into three, different, three main categories. Uh, and pretty much every Christian has at least one spiritual gift. Where do I find that? Let's go to First Corinthians. 1 Corinthians uh, 12 verses 7. 12 verses 7. What do we see? We see that. Uh, now to each one the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. So everybody who goes to the church and claim to be a believer and and are praying for an earnest, eager gift of this the gift of the Holy Spirit, you pretty much might have one of the gifts that I'm about to show you or share from you from the word of God. There are three subclasses of gifts. The gifts are divided into three main categories. One is the, the gifts that are used for ministries so that you'll find in Ephesians four verses 11. They are apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. That is having a gift of the Holy Spirit. When you are filled with the spirit, like we read, you receive those gifts. A gift is something that is operational of God's operation within you to spread his gospel to other people. It's not for self edification. It's for the edification of other people. The second subset of, of of the gifts are administrative or motivational. Where do you find that? Romans 12, six to eight. They are prophecy, faith, serving, teaching, um, encouragement, generosity, leadership, kindness. Those all are the second subset. Of, um, of, of of the gifts. Third subset is the power or the manifestation gifts. Okay, they are found in First Corinthians twelve verses seven to eleven. They are wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, discernment, speaking in tongues, and heavenly language interpretation and understanding the message of God. We as a society have raised one gift up so much that we have lost focus about the other gifts to a point where we highly exalt this one gift and we kind of push everybody else down and says, Oh, look at you because you don't have this X and Y, Z gift. You're, you're not a person that belongs to God or you're, you're, you're like a second class heavenly citizen. But in fact, God is the one who gives the gift. Gift is something that you receive, not your choice. I'm not going to keep reading verses, but if you read first Corinthians, the whole 12, the 12th verse, it tells you God discerns or God decides who gets what's what gifts. You don't get to pick and choose. So I see a lot of preachers who say, uh, oh, you have to keep asking God for speaking in tongues and um, or or prophecy and uh, whatever you ask, it will be given. The thing about that is it's a gift. God decides whether you will get it or not. And if you get it, God decides whether what you whether that gift will be operational for his goodness. You see a lot of these crusades, the miracle workers and healers and prophets who make millions of dollars out of their profit, the business that they do. That's that's abusing God's gift, God's gift that he has given inside that person. Instead of utilizing to bring people to Christ, he utilizes to uh, make money for themselves. How do you know that the gift that you have should be used for the purpose of glorifying God? Well, you can see in Acts two, when they were filled with the spirit, right? They their tongues were understandable by others. Verse two verses six. So when God gave you that gift of speaking in tongues. Now, um, side note, I do speak in tongues and I'm not an expert on tongues and nor is, almost, nor is nobody on this earth. There's a, still a big argument, a debate about this whole tongue aspect of things. But what I can tell you is there is two kinds of tongues. One is the for the common good where it can be interpreted and should be spoken where it should be interpreted for example, the ones in Acts 2. And then there's one in um, the First Corinthians 12, 14 verses 2. And that is a kind of uh, tongues where your spirit utters mysteries to God. No man can understand. Let me, let me give you a quick example. You see, if I am speaking in tongues in public right now, and I'm confessing to God my private, dirty, secret sins, I don't think somebody else should be interpreting that message for that common good. That is my spirit speaking or groaning mysteries of my sins or, or or confessing the sins that I have committed to God. And then there's the other kind of tongues, which we read in Acts two, where whoever understood, they understood that this was the message of God. Then, some people claim, oh, well, no, not really, because in Acts 2, verses 15, they say these people were are, are, uh, drunk. The people who heard it said, oh, they're drunk, so they were babbling. No, not really. What that means is when the Spirit was filled upon these people initially, three things happened to them, right? One, um, they, they understood who the Holy Spirit was. Two, they now realize why Jesus came. Until then, they were thinking, oh, he's just another leader, a political leader. But when this hit them, they started preaching the gospel. They started saying, oh, Jesus is the Lord. He died for your sins. He came for us. He is the one that needs to be saved. He is the Messiah that we have been waiting for. And number three, they got the power to witness. Whenever people say, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, I think the, the, the notion that I need to speak in tongues needs to be taken away. That is not the initial notion that has to happen. If you need to be filled with the Spirit, three things happen to you. One, one, you will understand the true purpose of Christ's death. Truly, truly. And every time you hear about the cross of Jesus, your eyes will tear because you will realize how sinful you were and how gracious God was that he sent Christ on the cross of Calvary. Number two, you will understand what Scripture says because if you look at Peter, the only way he understood what Joel said in, in the prophecies of Joel is when he got filled with the Spirit. That's why a fisherman like like Peter just spoke to a multitude of crowd like an educated man, because he got filled with the Spirit, okay? Third, this is what made Peter bold and go preach and evangelize. If you want to be filled with the Spirit, okay, your gift that God gives you will be operational, and that gift is God's choice. You and, I, you and I have to be earnestly praying for them. I'm not telling you you got to be negligent and not think about it. No, you have to be because First Corinthians says, earnestly seek for the gifts. Because even Jesus says, if, if, if an earthly father, you know, gives the best gifts to the, to the earthly children, what more do you think the earthly father, I mean, heavenly father would give to you when you ask for the gifts? So, you and I are entitled for gifts. But you and I should not elevate one gift over the other just because you see a brother prophesy in your heart. Don't be like, oh, God, I am. I am. I'm an inferior person in your presence because he speaks in tongues or he prophesies. No brother and sister. Listen, there's so many other gifts that you and I are missing about. And who knows? You might even have it right now. Some people are so awesome in serving. That's a gift. Some people are great at teaching. That is a gift. Some people are greater encouragement, that is a gift. Some people are greater generosity, like they give you, they help you in times of needs and trouble, that is a gift. Then some people are greater prophesying and discernment and wisdom and knowledge. It's, these are gifts. These are, these are for the common good so that Christ, the body of Christ can be revealed. So what was I trying to tell you all this time? When you have a alone time with God, just like how Jacob did, you need to have a physical touch, a physical change in your life. How? You might, say, I, you, you might ask, I, and I would tell you, you need to be filled with the Spirit. How do you know that you're filled with the Spirit? Not by speaking in tongues. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, three things happen to you. You will truly understand the purpose of the cross. You will understand the scripture like you've never understood before, because the Holy Spirit is the one that wrote the scripture. And if you have the Holy Spirit, you will understand the scripture in detail. So, so that when you read the word, you won't be bored. Number three, you will have the bold faith and the bold courage to go witness that to another person. So if you claim to be a Christian, you need to be filled with the Spirit. No, I've heard this saying. people say, uh, if you don't speak in tongues, you don't have the Spirit. No, the Spirit is in you, and that is why you accepted Jesus Christ. We all have to have that common understanding. You and I have The Holy Spirit, which is why we claim that Jesus is the son of God. He died on the cross at Calvary for my sins. Everything else is a gift. Uh, There's a lot more to go about gifts and fruits and the the gifts and the spirit the fruits of the spirit. I just don't have a lot of time to pull references from here and there. But my main takeaway from today's message uh, about the gifts of the spirit is I don't want you to get caught up and feel yourself like a second class citizen. If you can't speak in tongues. There will be many of us who can't speak in tongues and there will be many of us who can't prophesy there will be many of us who can't teach there will be many of us who would who would uh, be miracle workers for Jesus our gifts are different you should not look at another person and envy i mean envy their gift and say god well, well, why didn't i get that what what was i different no you can pray for it but being envious or jealous or putting that other person down based on the fact that they can't operate in that gift that God gave is irrational because God gave the gift. He didn't pick it. God gave. Let me just switch over my sides to the fruits of the spirit very quickly. I'm going to run this over. So do you all understand? Um, when Jesus was walking down, um, he saw a fig tree, right? And the fig tree was full of leaves. And Jesus was so hungry, and Jesus went over, and he found nothing in that tree. And he said, "Let no one ever eat from that tree ever again, and the tree shivered and it died and it moved on, right? So the tree died basically. Why? Because it produced no fruit. You and I, you and I, the so-called professing Christians, or people who claim that I am a Pentecostal believer, you are like that leaf. The Christian title is your leaf. But if you produce no fruit, no fruit that others can enjoy out of you, your life is meaningless, is worthless as a Christian. You're just a fake Christian and, and, and you, you truly should be convicted of where you stand in front of God. You, if you cannot produce the fruit. You see, fruit is something that is not given to you. That's something you produce. Each one of us have the seeds of the fruit of the spirit, but not each one have the spirit for the gift of the spirit. You understand what I'm saying? So you are given the gift, but you are told to cultivate the fruit of the spirit. What are they? What are the fruit of the spirit? We ask every child, "What? What is the fruit of the spirit?" You can read it in Galatians 5:22. So it's love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Um, th- th- these are the. These are the exhaustive, not not the exhaustive list, but the common fruit of the spirit. Right. So what is a fruit? A fruit is something that points back to the tree and the tree points back to the gardener. Same way when the spirit is in us, we need to exhibit the fruits such as love. Love your neighbors, the joy, the joy of the Lord, the joy within the Lord, the peace that you have, the long suffering, the gentleness, the goodness that you show others around you, the faith that you hold on to, the meekness, the temperance. You know what temperance is? Temperance is self-control. Self-control is telling yourself not to watch something when you know that it's wrong, not to do something when you know it's wrong. The, 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 gift, the, 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 the temperance is you not saying things that you know is not right for a Christian. You cultivate the fruits. Your job as a Christian is to cultivate your fruits every day so that the people around you can enjoy that fruit from you. People don't enjoy, your, your neighbor does not enjoy that speaking in tongues right up, right up in his face. But he will enjoy that peace, the joy, the love, the hope, the long-suffering, the kindness, the goodness, the meekness that you show towards him. That indeed will turn him to where this tree came from. And that tree is the Lord. God is our tree, Jesus, our tree remain in me. Jesus says, right? He's the wine and he says, remain in us. He's a tree. People need to enjoy the fruits from our life. If we don't have fruits and all we have is just leaves to show off as Christians. It's worthless. Jesus cursed that fig tree because it it, it felt like it had a lot, but it had nothing. If you claim to be a Christian, you go to church every day and you, you don't even have a single fruit. It's pointless you claim to have a gift of God, such as leadership and, and um, uh, prophecy and speaking in tongues and healing, and you don't have a single fruit, that's meaningless, very meaningless. You see, fruit and gift is paired at all times. I'm not gonna pull references, but in every aspect, when, when the spirit is operational, your fruit is exhibited through that. During our season of this quarantine, I encourage every single person To have a one-on-one time with God. Spend time with God until, until, until you get that new anointing, a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit, where you will have the revelation of why Christ came, and that you will truly receive a gift from from the Father. It's your job, it's your responsibility to pray for that gift, whatever that might be, but it will be for the good of the church and the people around you, and it will also be for the edification of other people. Same manner. When you are in quarantine, exercise your fruits of the Spirit, cultivate it, grow it. Because it's such a shame that I've heard when, when, when we hear our friends say, oh, he's a Christian, but he does the same thing as we do. Or she is a believer and she says the same thing that we say, like the unfilthy talk, the unwholesome talks, the drunkenness, the etc. things. Why, why did the non-believer see the Christ in you? Because you did not produce the fruit that Christ gave in you. Holy spirit needs to be expressed through your life because who's the Holy Spirit? It's God. How can God be revealed through your life? It's through the fruits that you spread out and you need to have fruits in all season. That's what that fig tree story also means. That, that, that fig tree didn't have, it was not in season. First of all, to even produce fig tree, uh, the figs, but given the fact that it spread out its leaves, like it had everything and knew everything. And it was a full blown Christian. That's what ticked things off. If you're a Christian, you need to bear fruits in all season so that other people can enjoy and see Jesus Christ through your life. If not, you're speaking in tongues, you're you're prophesying, you're healing, your leadership is in vain. You can see a lot of leaders today without the fruit of the Spirit. No, no meekness. No jet. Why do you think a lot of leaders, church leaders and and Christian leaders who fall into adultery because they don't have that fruit of the spirit to supplement their gift? All they were so focused upon that gift. Why do you see some awesome worship leaders fall into from faith? Because they did not have that fruit to supplement them. They, They utilize the gift as a as a platform to elevate themselves and make them feel good. But that is not the attitude that we need to have in the days to come as Christians. We need to exhibit the fruit. That's our number one principle. Remain in me and I will remain in you. That's that's principle in, in Psalm one verses one. Those who are they, the blessed are the one that are planted near the river like like they're planted. A fruit needs water, plants, roots. I'm not going to get into any of this, but that's the word of God. You want to bear good fruits, you need to be a good source you need to be near a good source of minerals and nutrients and water and all that. Where do you find that? Well in Christian clubs like this and mainly from word. That's how you cultivate your fruits. At the end of the day when the Father comes, when Jesus comes to harvest all the crops and the fruits, if you have nothing, you need to start considering yourself, what fruit do you have? You have love? Great. Are you going to be satisfied with it? No. You need to cultivate the fruit. This is something you can work on. This is why the Bible says about exercising your faith, working towards your salvation. I don't know if you all know about that verse, but there is a verse that says work towards your salvation. That's your everyday faith. That's your everyday sanctification. Don't be satisfied just because you're, you have joy. Don't, don't be satisfied because you have peace, but you're lacking in self-control. Don't be, don't be satisfied because you have faith, but you have no humbleness, no meekness, no goodness. The next time you argue with someone, run down the list of nine, the, 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 the uh, fruits of the Spirit. If you don't check any one of them, question yourself, wait, am I truly sp- filled with the Spirit? Because if you are filled with the Spirit, you will exhibit the Spirit. So, to recap everything, in this COVID season, let's spend a one-on-one time with God. To a point where you actually will be physically changed. How? You will exhibit the fruit of God and manifest the gift of God. Two things, fruit of God, the fruit of the Spirit, and the gift of the Spirit. You need them both. One that is being cultivated and the other that's being given. I'll I'll quickly close with something. Don't consider yourself, um, when when you pray for these gifts, I want you to be very cognizant of what you ask for. Because you never give a crazy kid, like a a kid who drives like in hundreds and 200 miles per hour, even in the city a nice, uh, fancy BMW when the kid asks the dad for as a gift. Right. Why? Because the father knows what his mentality is. The father knows how he will behave if I give that to him. Same way. You need a gift. Start correcting your life. Start correcting whatever you need it and then ask for it. Come right with God. Exhibit the fruit of the Spirit and say, Abba Father, I have meekness. So now can you please give me this gift? I'm working towards love. Can you give me this gift? And always pair the fruit with the gift. And let us not push one Christian aside from another Christian because they don't have that gift. Let's love everybody together because God is in all of us and He wants us to bear fruits for His kingdoms and be a good witness for His kingdom to come. May God bless you with these words and uh, may His name be Amen. Thanks again for tuning in. We pray that the Word of God has touched you and transformed you. His Word continues to be a living and active source of life. And only through His Word can we rejuvenate our own lives. So rate us and leave a review if you can. We really appreciate it. Till then, keep searching, keep listening for His voice, and we'll see you again next time.